I'm Tom Holland, and I, I'm just a little teenager. I don't know how to, to, to be friends with cool kids. I'm Chris Pratt. I'm, hello, hey, hey All right, listeners, who do you think is better? Do you think my Tom Holland or Adeline's Chris Pratt is better? My Chris Pratt's Sound really off bad. Mine's, Sound off in the comments. Yours is, like, kind of good. Mine's really bad. <laughs> my name's Jackson McMurray. My name's Adeline McMurray, a professional and, Chris Pratt impersonator. And, okay, okay, are you ready? This is No Nerds Allowed, Phase 2. gonna be new music it's very exciting for everybody it, so instead of feeling like you're at disneyland you're gonna see you're gonna feel like you're on the transformers ride at universal you're in cyberpunk 2077 yeah you get you get to kiss keanu reeves <laughs> right on the lips So, um, this, this movie, you're going to, you're going to need to help me out here a little bit yes. because I saw this movie approximately 10 days ago. Whoops. Um, Oopsie poopsie. <laughs> um, I did, I, cause I, I had to see it right as it came out because I wrote a review of it for my school newspaper, which yeah. you can read. There'll be a link in the description. Uh-huh. But, um, so ideally, and you know, with a movie like this that we're seeing in theaters, it's tougher to take notes. Um, so I think what we should do is we should just sort of go through the beats of the story. That way we can sort of, you know, jog our own memories about how we felt about each of those times. Does that sound good to you? And this is Um, one of the first times we've, like, talked about a movie before it's come out on, like, DVD or digital or whatever. So there will be spoilers. There's always spoilers, but, like, this is, like, actually a movie that you might not want to get spoiled. (laughs) Right. It didn't come out in 2010, like the rest of our other movies. (laughs) So if you don't, if you you should go see Onward, because it's really, really good. Spoiler alert, I really liked the movie. Really, really good. I really liked it. (laughs) I would say... I would say really good. I don't know if I'd say really, really good. I'd say really, really good. I don't know how to judge movies because... Like, when I say, because my friend, I just got out and I texted my friend group, and I was like, oh, guys, Onward's really good. And they were like, I, on a scale of 1 to 10, how is it? And I was like, like, uh, like probably like an 8. Like, I'd maybe even say 8.5. But, like, I just got done watching the movie, so, like, I really, really liked it. And saying that it was 8 out of 10 makes it sound like I didn't like it. But I did like it, but I don't want to say it's 10 out of 10, because I also feel like that's just not true, because there are a lot of movies in the world, so I don't know how to rate movies. I have the opposite problem. I On Letterboxd, you know, I'm always, like, logging and, you know, rating, like, movies that I watch. That's, like, part of it for me now. Yeah. Um, but you, you do it on a five-star rating system with half stars, so it's basically out of 10, right? Yeah. And I feel like I give four out of fives... To like everything, yeah. <laughs> like, because, like, like because, most movies are pretty good, and that's yeah. Well, <laughs> like, and I always feel like a three and a half out of five feels harsh, even though it's a seven out of ten, which is a perfectly fine score. Yeah, you know. And I constantly am trying to be like, I don't know. It's a weird thing that I've made myself do. I don't know. I always get so in my head about 
how Ew. I'm rating movies and whether I'm being consistent about it. And nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Like, it's not it's, like I have any followers. It's the joke about rating video games is that if the game gets a 10 out of 10, that means it's a good game. If it gets an 8 out of 10, it's a bad video game. And if it gets <laughs> right. anything less than 8 out of 10, it's like unplayable garbage. Like, that's right. just the way that it works. Well, that's that's a specific gaming journalism criticism though i feel like that's a different that's a different beast altogether that we yeah but it was relevant movies. and also funny so i thought Still. i would say it <laughs> okay fair enough um so let's let's talk let's talk simpsons let's talk about that simpsons God, deal that fucking sucked right Did you like that? <laughs> yeah it's kind of kind of no bueno it was and like, like the bar is so high for Pixar short films oh, that every time you walk into a Pixar flick, you're like, I can't wait to see what fun and exciting little yeah, adventure I'm cool going to get to go on. what cool short that's going to be in front of the movie. And, like, What's it gonna... gets you ready to, like, watch a Pixar film because, yeah. it, like, it just gets you into, like, that imaginative, like, creative, like, animated space before you watch the movie. Right. It's, okay, never watch a film in the IMAX theater. And I'm saying this because when you sit down <laughs> in an IMAX theater... They give you four different IMAX, like, commercials before right. they let you watch the movie. It's like, okay, all the ads are done. The lights have gone down. I'm ready to watch the movie. And then it gives me, like, four different, like, oh, amazing animated segments just to show me how good IMAX <laughs> is before right, I can watch like, the goddamn film. Astonishing clarity. I'm like, oh, my goodness. <sighs> Extra large 3D and it's so loud it's like so loud it's so much louder than the movie it like hurts my ears <laughs> they're like bass boosting the fuck out of the theater more than this animated film ever will <laughs> it's just why IMAX don't watch movies on IMAX it's not worth it right was it 3D or did you do 2D no I just did 2D Okay. See, that's what's really fascinating to me is like how much 3D is going out of style lately. Yeah, which like is so quickly too. Fascinating. When I was working at the movie theater in 2017, I was always thinking about that because that was when it was like kind of starting to to ease off. You know, yeah. you'd get like all your big blockbuster action movies were in 3D, and then like you know the like mid budget stuff was pretty much always not. Which was not the case, like, five years ago when fucking every movie was in 3D. But, like, animated movies are like were, like, always in 3D. Like, no matter what it was, it was like, that's something you could count on. Because it's just, like, an extra bit of revenue screen. Like, an, or an extra bit of revenue to, like, push on tired parents who don't give a fuck, yeah. you know? <laughs> I mean, whenever you um, make a kid's film, it's you're automatically going to make $10 million. So it's just the way right. that it works. But um, so if you can, like, you can also make like three dollars every time you do one of those so it's like oh hell yeah <laughs> right but now like something like this which seems like it would be an obvious contendent to be a 3d movie like is it even anymore i think that's so yeah. weird how much like it was like this incredible innovation that we all like so got behind with avatar and like everything was 3d for so long and now we just kind of don't give a shit anymore well and I that's honestly, just it's weird to me well i honestly think because it it's definitely, like, revenue, but, like, made for, like, the theater itself and not necessarily mm -hmm. for the movie, you know? Right. Like, I feel like in order to make a 3D movie, you have to think about the fact that it's a 3D movie, like, throughout the whole process or else it's just not going to be good. And so when when it was super new and people were, like, thinking about it, they were like, oh, there's all these new, like, cool things that we can do because we have that 3D technology. 
But now that kind of, like, the fad of it has, like, worn off and people aren't as impressed by it anymore, they're like, well, mm. if, we, if we're making this a 3D movie, we got to, like, put a lot of effort into it and, like, do a right. lot of stuff that requires a lot of technology and a lot of people <laughs> to do a lot of things and for three more dollars to go to the theater. So why, why would <laughs> right. we do that? But, uh, so, anyway, regarding The Simpsons, it was not that funny and the it whole... Wasn't... It wasn't there well was animated. one joke in it that I laughed at. There was one joke in it that I laughed at. Which when, joke was that? When Maggie starts, when Maggie like grabs the steering wheel out from Homer and starts like steering it to get to where she wants to go, you're like close up on her, and then you like pull out to when they're pulling into the park, and you just see that Homer's like got his arms behind his head, just being like, "Oh hell yeah, letting the baby drive." <laughs> I thought that was funny. That it got a laugh out of me. It wasn't funny, and that's and that's the problem with this short film. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, it, but, like okay, if you're like okay, Disney's like got has The Simpsons now, so they could start doing mm-hmm. Simpsons stuff, and it's like they want to do a short, and it's like oh okay cool, so you'll do you'll do a cool animated short with The Simpsons. That I mean that, I like The Simpsons movie. That sounds like a fun idea. You could do some really cool animation stuff because you're working with Pixar, the fucking animation <laughs> company. Yeah, that sounds right. like a great idea. But instead, they just show you like a a, a two minute excerpt from a. From one of the new bad Simpsons episodes <laughs> that everybody only watches when they lose the remote in the couch. <laughs> and it's just, and it's, it's not even like original content. It's like this weird baby love story that like I've seen 10 billion times and none of your jokes are funny. So I'm right. not willing to watch it again because I don't, I don't care about Maggie. And I, <laughs> I don't know why you thought that I did. Right. Um, and it's interesting, it's so weird, because The Simpsons is not, like, a TV show for kids. No! But they're putting it, I mean, not that there was anything inappropriate about the short itself, but, like, the fact that you're, like, putting it in front of a Pixar movie is weirdly, like, targeting it at kids in a way that I don't know how I feel about. Yeah. Okay, okay, I have a quick little thing that I want to say about Disney and their corporate dominance. Um, first of all, a lot of people think that Disney owns the Fox television network, they do not. That was a really explicit point in their dealings. They just own the Fox film uh, studio. Stuff. And they they broke into two different companies for Fox film and television. And Fox television still exists on its own. The Simpsons was a, a, a specific thing that Disney owns the Simpsons now. But, you know, people try to say like, oh, Disney owns Always Sunny in Philadelphia now. Isn't that crazy? They don't. Different thing. Um, also... I feel like, I don't know, I'm kind of interested because the whole, like, oh, Disney owns everything discourse has been, like, pitched at an 11 the last, like, year or so. Yeah. Just because Disney had the most insane year a company could possibly have last year, right? Oh, yeah. Because they had Avengers Endgame, Toy Story 4, Lion King, Frozen 2, and the Star Wars Rise of Skywalker all at once, not to mention, like, Captain Marvel and Aladdin and Dumbo and, like, all these things. And them Plus opening up a new theme Fox. park. Yeah, they opened up a new theme park, they bought Fox, they started a streaming service with, a like, the highest-rated television show of the decade on it, a Star Wars TV show. Like, it's insane. Like, they had the most just buck-wild successful year any corporate entity has ever had in history, right? But, like, now they can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, they already, they did it. <laughs> they kind of <laughs> shot their they load last the year, you know? There's um, nowhere else like, to go. 
this year, you know, obviously they've got movies coming out. They've got, like, Black Widow and Mulan and whatever. But, like, they don't have an Avengers Endgame. They don't have uh, uh, Star Wars. What they have is they have um, a Steven Spielberg West Side Story movie that they're hoping is going to make big bucks, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, like, <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Like, I'm wondering how that discourse is going to shift once we enter that, like, sort of cool down after, after the Disney eclipse of 2019. Well, they're also getting Hamilton on Disney Plus, right, next year? Oh, I didn't see that. They're talking, they said so they have a recorded version of it. It's coming out somewhere. I'm like 90% sure it's Disney Plus. Because the thing about people are all, all the studios are trying to get Broadway films for some mm. reason. Right. I don't know why. That's just the thing now. Everybody, it's just like a weird trend. Like, but for some I was going to say leading off of the shows. success of Cats, but Cats was not that. <laughs> right. It's Cats was the not success that of, success. I don't know, like La La Land and Great Showman, I guess. But we've already talked about that. It's not leading off of the success of that because it's a totally different thing. We were like, we (laughs) like musicals. And they were like, oh, you want us to make movies out of Broadway musicals? And we went, no. And then they made Cats. And we went, this still isn't what we want. We told you we didn't want this. And then you made it. And then it was bad. So I don't know what you're doing. Okay. I went to a screening of Cats on campus the other day. Yep. Um, that was like a packed house and it was so fun. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So the first time I saw it with like kind of a boring audience, I was like, that was funny. And there were some parts in it that were hilarious, but like overall, it's like not really that crazy. Um, but seeing it in like a rowdy theater with people who are like in just as excited about students. how, yeah, exactly. was like the most fun I've had all year. And people are just like clapping and cheering and booing Idris Elba and like, it's so good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Remember when we watched Venom in a packed house and just had to, just had to sit there and let it happen? <laughs> yeah. Good times. Um, I have a lot. Okay. Okay. We got to get on to the actual movie soon enough before we forget it. Um, Just because we don't have any notes. But they have just started releasing some images from Venom 2 in which Woody Harrelson playing Carnage, playing Cletus Cassidy, looks like if Tintin were a meth dealer. And, like, (laughs) I'm so, I'm so fascinated. Because, like, Venom, I think, is the craziest phenomenon in history. Um, yeah, because the, the movie sucks ass, but yeah. but we all just decided we liked it anyway. There was right? enough homoerotic <laughs> tension that everyone just decided it was good. And yeah. I like, listen, <laughs> like, I like homoerotic tension as much as the next person, but like not enough to justify this film being good because right. it wasn't. But like that movie is so insane, and Tom Hardy is giving this like incredible performance in this awful movie it's a bad film and like for some reason we're all just like ah but i'm kind of into it though but i, I am like kind of into still. it truthfully um and so now venom 2 i'm curious to see if it's also gonna suck ass and we're all gonna still be into it <laughs> or if gonna they're gonna step up their game and and make it be good you know because you, like go ahead do you remember in venom when tom hardy's <laughs> girlfriend 
is sexy lady venom and then yeah, she man. kisses him and the symbiote goes from her to him and what you could probably constitute is more you could you could make that argument do you remember and they that talk part about how film? sexually gratifying it is later oh god <laughs> i had to sit there in a theater and watch that happen while the five of us were losing our minds and everyone else in the theater just pretended like that was okay and normal to be in a good film. I laughed and someone looked at me as if they were annoyed at me. And I was like, sir, are you watching the same film as me? Because I don't think you are. And now, so the Morbius trailer came out and Michael Keaton is in it as the Vulture, which means that retroactively, I think Venom is part of the MCU timeline now. I think there have been people saying that Michael Keaton isn't necessarily playing the Vulture. They didn't say that he was, but like that would be really <laughs> whack if he wasn't, right? That, like, yeah, that would be confusing <laughs> if he wasn't. Um, but like, I don't well, know. Wasn't and, there, I, wasn't there a rumor that like Tom Holland is in Venom Two, like yes. somewhere doing something as Peter Parker? That was a rumor for Venom One for a really long time. Apparently, he did show up on set at a certain point, but they got cold feet and didn't end up using whatever he did. Yeah. Um, and you could tell there's like a fuck ton of stuff cut out of Venom. Oh um, god, that's the movie <laughs> like, I want a director's cut of. I know. God. Um. But so, but now there's even stronger fever pitch levels of rumors about Tom Holland being in Venom 2. I don't know. And Morbius, there's, like, pictures of Spider-Man around, so it's, like, definitely part of something. Yeah. But it's Listen. weirdly not the Spider-Man costume from the Marvel Spider-Man movies. And some people are saying that maybe it's going to be in the same canon as the Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, God, which is wild. I don't want that. There's this, like, galaxy brain fan theory that's going around that um, <clears throat> Morbius and Venom are going to take place in the Tobey Maguire universe. And they're in negotiations with Andrew Garfield to get him to come back and do another Spider-Man movie. So they're going to no. do a live-action Spider-Verse. No, they wouldn't. They would <laughs> Which, that, that would never happen. It's so insane. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't that's know. We'll just, see. That's just Only what some 13-year-old girl on Tumblr wants to happen, and that's right. not going to happen. I remember um, when Avengers had just come out, and they yeah. just revealed their, like, lineup. And before I do anything about, like, rights issues or whatever, I was I was so sure that Avengers 2 was going to be, um, you know, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Hulk, Wolverine, and Spider-Man. Because those were all the superhero movies that were coming out in between them. I was like, that that's the build-up, right? You've got Thor The Dark World, sense. Iron Man 3, Amazing Spider-Man 2, and... <laughs> uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, fuck. What's the name of the guy who directed The Wolverine? Um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, Why would I know that? No, it's the guy who directed Logan and Walk the Line and Ford v. Ferrari. Uh, James Mangold. James Mangold's The Wolverine. <laughs> I was like, they're to it's totally what it's going to do. But they obviously they didn't do Why that. do I not anyway. remember The Wolverine? I remember Logan. Logan's fantastic. Why don't I remember Wolverine? people didn't really like it. It's one of those things that like now... Eight years later, people are like, that movie kind of ruled and we kind of slept on it. And I still haven't seen it. But it was the same director as Logan um, just doing, like, kind of a solo Wolverine movie. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, at the time, people were like, I kind of don't care about this. But now people are looking back at it and being like, this was better than we gave it credit for. I don't know. Because Logan slaps, and that's just all I care about. Logan rules. Logan does indeed slap. Uh, Adelaide, uh, Disney Pixar's Onward. Do you know what else slaps? Disney Pixar's (laughs) Onward. Did I say Pixar's? Anyway. You did. So okay, let's just let's just uh, do a little a little check in. We are currently uh, twenty five minutes into this recording, <laughs> and we're just now getting to the film. We're bad at this. Phase two, <laughs> let's go. Um, okay, I this movie feels like it's all of the pieces of the universe somehow came together in the right order to make this film for me at the right point in my life, and I just don't <laughs> right. know how that happens, just like statistically. Like, it's like, oh, here's the main protagonist. He's in high school still. Like, I'm out of high school. But it's like, he's kind of afraid to drive. And I'm like, oh, that's me. Also, D&D is involved. I'm like, oh, that's me. And it's like, oh, transition life. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's me. So that's just... <laughs> right. I'm just saying this movie definitely hit home. Okay, I, my, my big thing, right at the beginning, cut out that whole expository intro. We don't need it. Yeah, like, especially because we read the, la- the letter later. Right. And it's just like, oh, okay, we know you're fucking stupid. So just here's why all the fantasy people just live in regular yeah. world, right? It's because it used to be like the regular fantasy that you know, but now it's later and now they just have smartphones and khakis and whatever. And you're like, okay, just show me an elf <laughs> in khakis. That's all I need. <laughs> it's all you have to do. <laughs> right. I mean, what I was really afraid of from the trailer, I don't know who's in charge of making Pixar's trailers for, like, their mm-hmm. last four movies, but they've all been garbage and made their great movies look really bad. Right. Because what I was afraid of, because they showed that clip from the beginning of, like, all oh, fantasy stuff, and then there's, like, a mermaid in a kiddie pool, and they show that scene in all the trailers. So I was really afraid that this movie was going to be, like, millennials are lazy idiots. Do you remember back in the olden days when things were cool and better? Let's go right. back to that. And that's what the film was going to be. Right. So I, I'm very happy that's not, that that's not what the film is, because that would be <laughs> terrible. Right. Um... So I'm just, yeah, the, this movie takes a little bit to get going, I feel like. I've seen that a lot from a lot of different people, just that, like, the intro where they're like, oh, check it out, quirky teenager and rowdy older brother yeah. and mom doing her best, single mom trying her best. You're like, yeah, I mean, like, okay. I Tom Holland is giving such a good performance as right. Ian and, like, all of the stuff that they're doing is really good. But, like, the... <laughs> There was a point when he was talking to, like, the other kids where I was like, oh, this is relatable content. And then it, like, it, like, hit, like, a certain, no, it hit, like, a certain, like, level. And then I was like, now this is just nerdy teen kid who can't make any friends and look how quirky he is. Like, I don't know, I don't know where that line is, but they, like, they, like, slowly went over it until I was like, this kid isn't, he, right Tom, I want to, listen. (laughs) <laughs> Listen, Tom Holland, let me be frank with you. Right. You're Tom Holland. Just go talk to the youth. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I texted you after I got out of the movie was just that, like, it's easy to sort of write off Chris Pratt and Tom Holland as, like, the faces of, like, thoughtless bullshit blockbuster cinema, you know? Because mm-hmm. they're just, like, in everything all the time. And they're very rarely doing, like, incredible work in great movies, you know, outside of their Marvel movies, which already have a lot of baggage associated with them, you know? But it's, like, it's easy to forget that, like, they got to be that way because they're really fucking good actors. Yeah, it's like they're in everything because even when they're just coasting, they're great. Like, in this movie, um, like, I... 
like one of my struggles with Chris Pratt is that it it takes me a little bit to like get out of the fact that it's just Chris Pratt, if that makes any sense. Like, totally. it takes me a minute to, like, accept his character just because his voice is so familiar to me. I'm just like, oh, that's that's Chris Pratt doing a Chris Pratt thing. But, like, the right. way that he did the performance, and I think it has something to do with the character also. Like, I, I didn't get that at all. Like, I he did such a good job, like, enveloping that character. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, like, one of the things I want to say is that Tom Holland has such an insane mastery of, like, dialect work. Because, oh, totally. um, cause, you know, he's English, but, um, so he's already, like, doing an accent for all these American movies. But, like, it's so fascinating that, like, his, his accent as Spider-Man and his accent as, as Ian in this movie are not the same American accent. Like, yeah. he's clearly doing this, like, insanely subtle manipulation of, like, American dialects. Because, like, him in this movie is, like, a little bit more, like, Pacific Northwest, I feel like. Versus yeah. Spider-Man, which is very, you know, it's subtle, but it's still, like, Brooklyn, kind of. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I can't imagine being able to dial in that specifically yeah. for a, a dialect that's not naturally your own, you know? I think it's yeah, so Yeah, like, a whole other accent and then different dialects within that other accent is just crazy. Yeah. Um, and also, I think this is just a good use of Chris Pratt. I feel like too often lately, Chris Pratt is playing a guy who's, like, suave and cool, and it's like, that's not how you do it. Like, Jurassic World is like... Chris Pratt. Yeah, Jurassic World is like big thumbs down for me. It's like, this is not what Chris Pratt does best. Like, he needs to be a goober. Otherwise, he just comes off as a douchebag, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's what makes Guardians of the Galaxy work. That's what makes Lego Movie work. And that's what makes this work. And, you know, Jurassic World, when he's all suave and he's just like, oh, huh, I could have told you that. You're like, fuck off, Chris Pratt. And you're like, fuck like, you, Chris Pratt. <laughs> yeah. Go fuck yourself, Mr. <laughs> Dinosaur Man. What's his name? Owen Grady in Owen those movies? Owen Grayson. Um, God, go make out with your Velociraptors <laughs> or whatever. I hate that guy. It sucks. Bad news. Um, <laughs> I love Chris Pratt. I fucking hate Owen, and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why you brought this out of me. I hate that guy. <laughs> I really, really like modern fantasy takes on, like, classic fa- fantasy things, but I feel like people don't... They don't do what I like all of the time, and I right. like it when people do what I like. I like this kind of fantasy, where it's, like... It's... It's just real life, but there's magic stuff going on, and there's hidden elements, and, like, everything is, like, nice. Like, it's not gritty and, like, realistic and, like, oh, uh, we have magic, but then it was taken away. Like, it's just, like, it's just nice and pretty and colorful, and there's magic. Like, I like this kind of modern fantasy. And it's also, they made a good decision with their fantasy, because fantasy can get so convoluted sometimes, thanks, Tolkien, that sometimes when people make, like, a magic world, they have to go fucking all in on that magic world and, like, create right. a whole universe. But because this one is, like, pretty much adjacent to reality, plus, like, there's magic and, like, elves and stuff, like, it, there, there's not, like, all these weird rules that mm-hmm. I have to keep up with. They're like, you know D&D? That's just how the magic works. And I'm like, right. cool, I already know that. Thank you. I don't have yeah. to learn about t- a war 200 years ago, and I appreciate <laughs> that. So, yeah, I've been boning up. I've just been reading a whole bunch of, like, interviews and stuff the last few hours just to sort of make, you know, keep it fresh in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, what's fascinating to me is apparently that um, Dan Scanlon and um, – I can't remember the name of the other woman who was, like, the other creative head on the movie. Um, but they're not, like, D&D people. 
Like, mm-hmm. they never really had any connection. It's the story that they built just based on, like, life experience. It's a huge Dan Scanlon tell it. He just says, like, I had, you know, my dad died when I was a kid, and I wanted to make a movie about that. And I was like, what if what if someone could meet their dad for a day? And it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, the only way you could do that is kind of magic, so uh, the movie's got magic in it. I don't know, maybe they're elves or something. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's just, like, him, like, spinning his wheels on, like, how he could tell this really personal story, you know? Um, yeah. Which turned into this, like, D&D-infused thing, which is fascinating to me because, you know, sort of my big my big take in my review that I wrote was that, like, D&D is huge again for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's because, you know, 18 to 24-year-olds grew up with Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, so that's, like, influential to them. Or because, like, video games are so, like, lifelike now that we're, like, desensitized to it and we want to retreat back into imagination or whatever it is, like whatever the reason for it, like not even necessarily millennials. I feel like there's like a butter zone kind of between Gen Z and millennials where D and D is the biggest. Yeah. Um, But like, it's, it's huge again. And there are so many different people who are trying to like, to like weigh in on it because, um, uh, the adventure zone is getting their TV show potentially. Um, Mm -hmm. this movie and um, there's a Dungeons and Dragons movie from John Francis Daly and Jonathan uh, Goldstein uh, that I'm I'm so fucking excited about. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, um, Are they doing like the like? Because there is like a canon D and D like story that there's like a comic book of. Is that what they're mm-hmm. doing, or is it just like? I, I don't know. It's not coming out D&D. until sometime next year. I think it's like holiday yeah. next year. So we don't yeah, know well, a whole lot about it yet. That's what's so weird about people trying to, like, make other content out of D&D. Because D&D is such a personalized story with whoever you're playing with. Right. That, like, it's really hard to, like, make content for D&D. Because literally every single person's campaign is different. And everyone's right. got a different character. So, yeah. like, that's why I think this movie is so smart about it. Because, first of all, it's not really D&D. It's D&D adjacent. Mostly because mm-hmm. of copyright. But also because it's not... We're not, we're not talking about D&D. We're talking about our dead father who we're bringing back with magic. Right, exactly. But, but so it's like, it's when you bring up D&D stuff, I'm excited and I can point at it without it being like actually D&D stuff. Because you, if you were just like, here's a D&D story, here's some guy. I'm like, great. I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I am... Um... I, but yeah, I mean, what I was saying was that, like, it's smart about the way it handles its, like, D&D connections, right? Yeah. Because it's got this really, like, episodic, like, quest-like structure, you know? Yeah, which is really fun. Which is cool, and but you can't necessarily, you can't, like, format a movie exactly like a D&D campaign, right? Yeah, you can. It would, it would not work, it would suck. It um, would be boring, you, would be do, you wouldn't be doing anything a lot of the time. <laughs> right. Um... But what's smart about it is that they take it and they adjust it. They make it a little bit different to make it, you know, fit into what you you expect out of a movie. Just Mm -hmm. like they sort of take, you know, the big idea of, like, fantasy iconography and, like, adjust it to their own their own devices make it something new and exciting and that's what i think is important coming out of like all the new D stuff is that they can't just be like oh D, you guys like that right <laughs> there it is you gotta like be conscientious that's not about how D&D works <laughs> right you gotta be conscientious about how you are using it in the structure of whatever like new medium you're bringing it into because yeah. like a tabletop role-playing game is like an art medium that is weirdly 
I don't know. It's so totally different from like anything else, and like adapting it into another format is a a really weird, interesting challenge. Yeah. So I'm excited to like, see how they do it. Because if you, if you meet someone else who's into D and D, you have a lot of touchstones that you can like talk about. But like at the end of the day, like you don't like the same thing because the two things that you're doing are so different. Like if you and somebody else go and see a movie or read a book, you've done the same thing but with D, you've all done like totally different things even if there are touchstones so it's like how mm-hmm. do you how do you rally a group of people around one thing when they're all doing totally different things right um i'm looking at the um but it was funny because the way that they set up the plot of this movie it's absolutely a quest like they have to go get the gem to bring their dad back and they have mm-hmm. to go to the manticore and then they have to go find where the gem is and follow the map and all that stuff and it's really fun but it would even like in like the dialogue and the story plots, like in the back of my mind, just because they had even like brought up the like concept of this being kind of D and D adjacent, sometimes when they would like talk to somebody or do something, I'd be like, oh, that's a charisma check. Like they're not drawing attention to the fact that this is a charisma <laughs> check, but like that's right. what it is. Yeah, like, like when, when they're he... bluffing their way when he's in disguise as the Sinbar. yeah. Or, like, when they're talking to the manticore, and they're like, we have to be super respectful, and he's like, let me do the talking, and he's like, she says no, and he, like, keeps talking to her. I'm like, oh, this is a charisma check. Like, they're not, like, they're not, like, pointing at it and being like, oh, roll a d20, it's a charisma check. It's just, like, it was just, that, that's what it was, and it was cool. (laughs) Right. Um, no, that's a fun point. I didn't really think of it that way. I, um, I'm the kind of person that, like, I... For some reason, uh, there's nothing... I love playing D&D with my friends. It's something that I do sometimes, and I love it very much. But I can't stand hearing about other people's D&D campaigns. I don't know why. It's like hearing somebody describe a dream they had. Right? Yeah, I just it's, have to it's be fair. Like, it's very fair. I just have to be like, uh-huh, yeah. And then <laughs> It's elf- literally the equivalent <laughs> of someone going, so I had this idea for a film. And then that's right. when you know you need to shoot yourself in the head to avoid <laughs> yeah. this conversation. And you just have to be like, oh, your elf guy did that that uh, that's crazy and like <laughs> and i feel like that's part of i feel like that's part of like modern D culture like people love to tell the stories of their campaigns like people love to hear about the stories of other people's campaigns i'm not like that though i am so not into like <laughs> being regaled by somebody's D campaign maybe um, you're just selfish <laughs> could be could be i mean that's fair that's a fair assessment but, I, i'm um, jackson i just want to talk about my squirrel rogue whose name is fuck mountain or whatever <laughs> his name's joey of fuck mountain he's from fuck mountain <laughs> anyway but i'm not gonna tell fuck you mountain. about i'm not gonna tell you about my campaign with him because i don't i don't feel like anybody would give a shit they weren't there anyway <laughs> <laughs> um i'm looking at the dungeons and dragons wikipedia page uh, yeah. For the movie. Um, it's one of these movies that they've been kicking around for a really long time. Um, the only thing we know is that John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein are directing now. They've had like four other directors, but now we're settled on them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Ansel Elgort is going to be in it, question mark. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of it. Originally, Rob Letterman was going to direct it, the guy who did Detective Pikachu. Um, that would be fun. But he is no longer. But John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein are, like, the guys I am pulling for the most out of anybody in the film industry right now. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, they directed um, Game Night. Did you ever see Game Night? 
I didn't. I heard you talk about how good it was like 12 times, though. So I, in my head, it's a good film. Right. I love Game Night. Game Night's one of my favorite movies of the last few years. Um, and they, you know, they've been around and they've done like, you know, writing and producing jobs. Both of them were writers on Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, mm-hmm. But they were going to do a Flash movie for a really long time. They were attached to the Flash movie for so long, and I was so excited about that. And it was one of those movies that everybody said was never going to come out, and it kept getting pushed back and back and back. Um, And they finally, they switched directors again, and now it's going to be Andy Muschietti, who directed the It movies. Um, And I'm just so mad that I don't get to see the John Francis Daly, Jonathan Goldstein Flash movie, because I was so amped about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I just, I want them to do to do well, because I'm a big fan of theirs. Anyway, um, one of the things in this movie, I think it's fascinating that, like, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's last Pixar role was, like, the, the female lead, the, like, ingenue of the movie in Bug's Life, and then oh, now yeah. she's, like, the homely mom. I'm like, there's something yeah. weird about that. <laughs> like, this is, like... But I love... I love how this movie treats the mom character because right. it's simultaneously like kind of how you expect them to do it and then simultaneously like its own thing. And that's what I really like. Like, I, I think tropes can be really fun, but I also think it's really nice to get outside of them. So I think they have like a fun back and forth with like tropes basically in this whole movie. And that's what makes mm-hmm. it really refreshing. But like, cause she like, she does like workout videos and she's like a single mom trying her best and she's got a new boyfriend and like stuff like that. Right. But then when her kids are in trouble, she just like gets in a car and like pretends to be a medic on a police site and picks up a sword <laughs> right. and just rides a manicure somewhere. Like there's just like all these different layers to her. And I think she's a really enjoyable character. Right. Um, I wish so- we focused just a little bit more on the fact that their dad is her husband. Cause I feel like right. we don't touch on that as much as we maybe should it's more about how much she cares about her sons and what they're going through and Mm -hmm. that's great but i would just love a little bit more emotional moments with the mom especially because we have like the new boyfriend i just want right i want more that a little bit more and yeah and i wouldn't even mind adding that in because this movie is only like 95 minutes long yeah it's like like exactly (laughs) right (laughs) which is i mean it's nice i kind of like that it's kind of bite-sized you know like it, it gets in and gets out nice and quick and you're I like mean, it, it feels yeah. like a one shot in the indeed like we did <laughs> right. what we came here to do <laughs> um but uh what do you what do you think about the gag when the centaur guy makes horse noises i i i i wanted to like it's... the centaur guy <laughs> right. and i just didn't like i like i really it, it's probably just because i like griffin mcelroy but like i really like the like stepdad character that's like right simultaneously like trying his best and you feel for him but he's also just like the worst and kind of annoying so you're <laughs> right. like god this guy and that's what i want him to be but like sometimes like talking about like using tropes like successfully i feel like sometimes he was too much just like this like annoying guy like, right. when he goes into the house and he just, like, knocks all the shit over in the whole room. Like, that was, like, you've been like a You've centaur. had that body your whole life. Yeah, you, you should know how to be in a fucking building. And it's just, yeah. Like, I, one, time, it, one time somebody asked me, a girl asked me, like, is it hard to aim when you're, like, standing up and peeing? And I was like, I mean, maybe, but, like, I've been doing it every day for the last 22 years. Like, I feel like I've put in my Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours on it, you know? Like, I'm pretty good at it by now. <laughs> I don't know, that's not relevant. <laughs> <Continue>. <laughs> no, talk about how 
good you are at peeing somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's just like, you should, why are you knocking over all this shit in this house? I also did, this is just me being a giant fucking nerd, but like when the mom like steps on the minifigure in the hallway and she like makes some joke about it, I'm like, oh, those are so expensive. If that broke, it would be like a whole thing. And that's right. just where my mind immediately went. Um. Okay, okay. I have one thing I want to say. This is a bad cinema sense criticism, but okay, I was thinking great. it the whole movie. Okay, they're getting another gem. Why not just start the spell over from the beginning? Right? Because they already did it kind of once. But they never said you couldn't do it more than once. No, they, they kind of they said you could never bring them back again after you do it the one time. When do they say that? They say that a lot. They say that when they first read it, and they say it later, and the, they say it. No, the, the reason they can't do it again because they don't have the power. No, they, they said have the, the power. The, they the, can just do it the, again. No, the prerequisites for the spell is that you can only do it once, and that's why there is that so much of a time crunch, <clears throat> just because they can only do it once. I don't think I don't think they said that. Because then if because then they could just do it whenever they got a power crystal. It's a <laughs> that, special one time thing. Right. It's a special one-time thing. That's the okay. whole thing. Okay. I think I think you're. I think you had to add that yourself. I don't think that was in the movie. No, it's Whatever. in the Jackson. I watched it an hour ago. It's <laughs> well, in the I film. also I also watched it. Uh, but anyway. ten days ago. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> the, um, there was a moment when you know when he's like listening to the the cassette tape from his dad, uh-huh, when I, I was kind of like, uh, say again. I love that cassette tape. Right. Well, I mean, I was kind of like, this has been done before, you know? Like, specifically with the cassette tape thing, it's become this weird trope ever since Guardians of the Galaxy, but also just, like, the voicemail from dead relative thing is yeah. just, like, so played out, and I was like, I don't know if I'm into this. But with, as I was looking through, apparently that's based on a reality for Dan Scanlon. He did have a cassette tape like that from his dead dad that he apparently played for an audience at the D23 conference when they announced this movie, which is, like, so hardcore. Like, Yeah, that is. Like, imagine you're just like, oh, yeah, I love Disney. I can't wait to find out what the new Avengers movie is going to be. And then Dan Scanlon's just like, my dad died when I was very young. Here are his final <laughs> words. And you're like, oh, what? <laughs> like, for real? Your real dad? You're just, oh. <laughs> Your dad? <laughs> like, well, what, um, what I love so much about that tape recording is I love the performance of the guy who plays the dad. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like, it's not like Guardians of the Galaxy or like all those other tropes. where they're like, hello, son. I'm speaking to you from behind, <laughs> from beyond the void. And I will guide you on your life, my beautiful listening boy it's not that (laughs) it's their dad trying to fix the tape recorder and her mom's like i'm going over there because it's gonna explode like it's just it's so naturalistic and nice that it it like whatever the tropes were involved i ignored them because like just the performance is so good and it it seemed realistic it didn't seem like a plot point it seemed like this is this is something that somebody would have Mm -hmm. um i'm trying to think if we're going through, like, the plot of the movie. Because the first thing they do... I mean, they, like, try to bring the dad back, but then he's just legs. Which is fine. I, I kind of like it. The um, I just feel like they don't get as much mileage out of it as a gag as they should, you know? I feel yeah. like a lot of the time you kind of forget the dad is there. And you're just like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, it's kind of a double-edged sword because that's sort of the point. Is that yeah, you can't, exactly. like, he can't, like, interact or be a character in any meaningful way and that's what they're trying to do but at the same time you want to 
like really feel for him as a character so you want them to get him back you know and i feel like some there's it it's it kind of half achieves that because like you know obviously there's like the scene where he's dancing that's so fun and that like really works and like you know the whole bit where he's like drumming on his shoes and you can you know there's some like pathos involved in the in the animation yeah um but at the same time most of the movie you like totally don't even have to think about the fact that he's there (laughs) you know yeah there, he he's just he's really just there for like them to like bumble around and make sure he doesn't die, right? Which is which is funny, but you know, I I really like I really like the magic in this movie, like the way that he just like does magic, right? I already kind of said this already, but like I I don't like it when magic has like too many rules. Like I think magic mm-hmm. needs to have rules, or else you can just do whatever the hell you want, and that's. And that's not fun a lot of the time. <laughs> right. But I like I like how simplistic the rules are. Like for this spell, you got to concentrate and you got to think, and then you do it, and then he does it. I'm like, great. Right. And he's like, for this one, you got to do those three things. And I'm like, oh, cool, great. Thank you for telling me that because he doesn't yeah, it know kinda, it either. It kind of builds on itself, and you like understand the progression of what he has to do and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So at the end of the movie, when we've seen him learn all these things. And then now he's like fighting a dragon and like running through the air. And he sends, God, when he sends that sword at like 90 miles per hour into the giant concrete dragon, that's dope as hell. It's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. I love, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we'll get to it, but I love the ending of this movie. Um, God, the fucking, they're like, oh, it's like a dragon made of stone. And like in my head, I was like, oh, I know what that looks like, whatever. But then they're like, we're going to make a dragon out of the high school over there. And then I was like, oh, holy shit. I'm so down for this. (laughs) And it like roars and the, and the like school bell is like the sound of it's roaring. Yeah. It kicks ass. And it's it's got like the dragon mascot on its face. It's so good. Um, but, uh, okay. So they're going on this adventure, right? He's learning the spells (laughs) one at a time. For every for every event, he has to learn a new spell, right? It's very methodical in that way. Yeah, which um, is fine, though. Yeah, no, it's not a bad thing. It's just like, oh, I wonder if this is going to come back in the climax. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, the one... This is just a little moment, but the moment when they're getting attacked by the pixies and Chris Pratt is, like, mansplaining to the pixies how their ancestors had wings and they should just concentrate on being able to fly again. I was like... What the fuck is this? This is so wet. Why is he saying that? Like, Why would you talk to a person like this? Yeah, like, and it's just meant to be, like, kind of a gag, and you're not meant to think on it that much, but you're just like, oh, this is the worst. Like, I hate I hate this so much. Like, well, just, like, it weird, explaining it's, yeah, it's someone else's culture to them. Yeah, it's weirdly dehumanizing. I don't know, yeah, like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I get you. I really I'm, love... I love the Manticore, and I love the whole scene in the Manticore in so much. Like, it's, like, I mean, first of all, because it's, like, it's the trope of the pub that you go to at the beginning of the adventure. That's always a thing. But then having to be a Chuck E. Cheese is so funny, and having the Manticore be this, like, manager who just fucking hates it here is just (laughs) so good. Like, it's just so just, like, my preferred, like, version of storytelling, where it's, like, we are doing things, but it's also funny, and I want to have fun. Like, it's just, I love it so much. And a lot has been made of, like, the writing in this movie and how sort of... Uh, how reliant it is on, like, physical, visual jokes as opposed to just, like, you know, written cheesy jokes, you know? Yeah. Um, Which I think is, you know, super impressive in this movie, especially in that scene. Like, all the humor in that basically comes from just, like, 
the way people move and like things you're doing with the camera and like things you catch in the background and like yeah. the the physical way that the characters are interacting with each other is is funny. The animation is funny, you know. Yeah. Um I love it when they get out of there after the place burns down and they've got the menu and they're like, Kayla already solved the puzzle for us. <laughs> like, that's just, I just <laughs> yeah, love that. Funny. By the way, this is not relevant at all. I just, I found this picture online when I was looking at stuff where Ian looks like a fucking weird gremlin. And Are I just, you going to send me porn right now? No, I just want to show it to you. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like Remy from Ratatouille. He looks like... <laughs> No, he looks like Animal from the Muppets is what he looks like. <laughs> I'm glad you think that's funny and this is not just dead air. <laughs> For context, this is just a screenshot from the movie I saw somewhere. Where it's just like a weird moment in the animation, I guess, where Ian just looks like a weird Muppet gremlin. He's just like, he's just like, he looks like the letter C and like his eyes are like completely open so that you can't see his eyelids and he's like dancing so like his knees are bent and his arms are just like in front of him and he just looks, he looks like one of those, one of those worms on a string. <laughs> he does. Okay, I'll post, I'll post this to the Twitter so everyone just, can see. I don't, see. don't give any context. Just <laughs> There's okay, a lot so of really good things about this screenshot. My face when the the weed hits <laughs> my face when my mom hits me my, <laughs> my face when i just got out of the film disney pixar's onward <laughs> what's a good what's a good none of those are funny what's a good my face when for this face i don't think there's any good my face when jokes no they're all good People, people really be making diarrhea jokes out here, and I don't know who thinks they're still funny. When the when the diarrhea hits. Yeah, when when you're that's... done with the Taco Bell. <laughs> Jackson, when the Taco did you just Bell fucking hits? laugh at that? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I'm gonna post worst. this to Twitter with the caption "When the Taco Bell hits." <laughs> <laughs> See, it's funny. <laughs> I know, that's what makes it funny. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we're missing. Um I, I just the mom and the manticore kill that pawn shop owner and that's, that's fun when she gets stabbed in the neck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I, I wanna talk about the scene with the bridge. Um Oh yeah. Because that's like the best scene in the movie. It's when he's so like cool. walking across the chasm with the like floaty spell or the like invisible bridge make spell um and then he's like walking across and the the rope gives out and he's just like you know it's like pushing somebody on a bike and letting them go and be like yeah i still got you but yeah like there's this there, moment oh, there's so much more stakes yeah when you see it when you see it like fall and you just see chris pratt be like ah, and he's like you still got me right and he's just like yeah, I still, I still got you. Just uh, keep on going, buddy. And he's like, and he's like crying too. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. Um, but and it's like you know, it's one of those things that's like it's it's so hard to like manufacture stakes in a movie like this when you know he's not gonna fucking die. But yeah. like 
you still you still feel that that interaction, yeah. you know, mostly because you're seeing it through Chris Pratt's yeah. perspective, kind of, you know. Well, you're not you're not really worried that he's gonna fall. You're worried that he's gonna be mad at Chris Pratt. That's right, what right. you're worried about. And what I love so much about, like, I they do such a good job of like realistically like representing these siblings that it's like even when he does get across fine, and he. And he like gets over there, and he like he turns around and he's mad at him, even though he made the other side. He's like, we, I, mean, I needed that rope, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. no, you didn't. And he just walks away. Like it's just, he's like, it, yes, I did though. Yeah, like it's like a good interaction. <laughs> like in a story, it's like, oh, you got across fine, you got across, everything's fine, haha. But like if if you did that to me, Jackson, I would be so fucking pissed at you. <laughs> right. You don't even know. <laughs> right. And we talked about this in our last episode about the Incredibles. This is our second Pixar episode in a row. Fuck. Us. Okay. Um, <laughs> wow, we're the worst. But um, like how like siblings don't really get to be friends until they kind of grow up, and this is like the the like the 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 first point I think in their relationship when they can start to kind of be friends, you know? Yeah. Um, because I think they're they're pretty similar in like their their age difference to us, you know? Um, Probably yeah. Um. And it's just I don't know. It's fun to see because you can tell that their like relationship as as people isn't necessarily that strong yet. But like this is them like figuring out what their relationship is. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's fun and cool. Well, yeah, because they start off. It's it's a really subtle relationship, honestly. Because at the beginning, it's like oh, he's like he's like the big brother, and he knows he's him, and he's big and dumb, and he like and right. he's like on a gap year or whatever. And so we set up that relationship and like he picks them up from school and like they haze each other and like but like they're not like they get along fine and they don't hate each other and they're not mean to each other. But that doesn't mean that they're like best buds either. Right. Yeah. And so I agree with you. I really like this movie, even though the point of it is that they've been looking out for each other all along. Like they're not this this movie is them like becoming friends. And I think that's really nice. Um. I'm trying to think. <clears throat> I'm just going through the events in my head. I'm just Why going into Ian my mind palace. Why does Ian have zero friends? Like, I know he's supposed to I be, know. like, a quirky teen, but he's literally got zero friends, and I don't know how that <laughs> happens. And that's that's one of those things that just happens in movies all the time, where you're like, oh, it's my junior year of high school. I'm finally going to plug up the courage to talk to a person. And you're like, okay. Like, do you, <laughs> like there's a difference between being shy and antisocial and being a fucking hermit crab yeah but then he goes and this always happens when he goes and he talks to like the kids and then they're like super nice but like he still doesn't do it because of his own hangups or whatever right and it's like if these people are so nice and so down to hang out with you they would just be hanging out with you like this (laughs) isn't this isn't how real life works right yeah yeah i don't know the um but yeah, still, I don't know. It's just one of those things that happens all the time. It's like the teenager with no friends. Yeah, it's like when like, we talked about Frozen, happen. and it's like Elsa's been in the castle by herself for like ten years or whatever. It's <laughs> right. like that doesn't make any sense, but we're just like, gonna accept it. He's been running the country, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, what have you been doing this whole time? Reading? Have you not talked what? to anyone in your classes? <laughs> How did you do this? Right. Where do you go for lunch? Where do you eat lunch? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me where. <laughs> I want names. Uh, so, okay, so I mean, yeah, let's just get to the end here because, like, I love the way that they play, like, the climax of this movie. Right? Oh, it's so good. Because the whole time they're, like, getting to this thing and that moment where he's just like, you talk to him, I'll go f- hold off the dragon or whatever. 
I'm just waiting for them to figure out what their, like, gotcha loophole is so they could both talk to him, right? Yeah. Like, you're just trying to figure out, like, what it's going to be, how this is going to turn out really, like, saccharine and happy. But yeah. they they commit so strongly to just being like, no, no, Tom Holland doesn't get to talk to his dad. Like, yeah. Chris Pratt does for a second, and it's meaningful to them. And, you know, he he tells him that he loves him and that... You know, he expresses to his dad that Tom Holland's there too, and you know that he he's sorry he can't see him, and so it, like it has a meaning for him in that sense. But still, he just has to kind of watch from like far away, and you just yeah. have to live with that, you know. Yeah, what I love so much about this film is that it doesn't really have a villain. Like there are people right. who like inherit antagonistic roles for different parts of the story, but there's mm-hmm. never just like. There's there's never a Hans. No one turns around and is like, aha, I am the bad guy. Like, it never happens. And I <laughs> right. just, I really like that. Yeah, and I feel like there has been kind of a movement lately of, like, no villain stories in Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about it a lot with Ant-Man and the Wasp, and there was something else I was thinking of lately. that It just seems like Disney's been thinking about the like no villain model of storytelling a lot yeah. more lately i mean you i mean frozen too a little bit too because the villain right. is like the grandpa but he's like not there to like be a villain so right. really it's just about the conflict that's caused by his previous villainy right exactly you know and the and you know there's still like a protagonist and an antagonist you know but it's yeah. not like good guy bad guy yeah exactly <laughs> um, the um yeah, I don't know. And then, like, the movie ends and it's just like, you know, life goes on. You know, he had this yeah. quest and it changed his life, but he's still he's still in high school and, yeah. and now he has some more confidence. You're like, I really, yeah. I really like that scene at the end where they're just doing show and tell in high school for some reason. Don't worry about <laughs> right. it. Yeah, that's another he, one of those things. <laughs> he's like, this is magic. I do magic now. And one of the girls is like, oh, that's how you fixed everything. And he's like, yeah. And then this kid in the front just says like the snottiest thing ever that that's and that was accurate for high school he's like didn't you also destroy the school and he's like yeah but like it wasn't like when people say that it's like a plot point of like oh some people don't like magic it's not that that's just a high school kid being an asshole (laughs) and that was great that was realistic tom holland kills him with magic yeah then he lightning bolts him and his brain melts It's like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. The kid's yeah. head explodes. <laughs> and a bunch of tarantulas come out. What happens in Raiders of the Lost Ark? <laughs> <laughs> have you still not seen it? There's I still a... have. Listen, I watched the like first 10 minutes of the first right. Indiana Jones movie. And the where... bugs freaked you out too bad? Well, there's, where they're covered in tarantulas. And then that guy gets like stabbed into the like spike wall. And I was like, oh, I don't like this. I'm done with this. <laughs> right. But you're also like 10 years old at that point. Yeah, but I haven't recovered. <laughs> I feel like... Raiders of the Lost Ark is a movie that, like, everybody across the board probably watched too young. Yeah. I feel like that's just, like, a galvanizing experience of, like, Gen X parents. It's just like, oh, I love Indiana Jones. Raiders of the Lost Ark is so good. Is there anything really intense in that movie? Like, I don't really remember. I think it's fine. And then showing it to your kids and the guy gets, like, eaten by the propeller blades of an airplane. And, like, the (laughs) guys, the Nazis' heads explode at the end in, like, gruesome detail. And they're like, oh, fuck. (laughs) That, <laughs> oh, I forgot. <laughs> like, 11-year-old Timmy is like, whoa. <laughs> um, were there any other movies you watched too young, Adeline? 
Well, this is, I would, we talk about this a lot. I was the biggest baby on the planet for some reason when it came to movies, just because, I don't know, something about it being a movie, like I thought it was always going to be way worse than it actually was. Right. But so I was always like really scared of things and like about emotional things and gory things. Like I was just scared about everything. But then I remember one day dad was just like, I'm going to watch Lord of the Rings. And I was like, I will also watch that with you, father. And then mom was like, Adeline, you can't fucking watch Lord of the Rings. You can barely handle Star wars you're not going to like it right. and then i think my 10 year old brain was just like fuck you i'm gonna watch lord of the rings <laughs> <laughs> i watched lord of the rings and it didn't bother me at all so that right, was like yeah. my first experience of like oh it's not that bad like the goblin just gets right. shot with an arrow and then he falls over and then it's over i remember i watched the, t- the first toby Maguire spider-man i watched really young um and for some reason i remember it was at grammy and papa's house and I was just in their bedroom, Grammy and Papa's bedroom, by myself, watching this movie. I don't remember what happened. They must have been having a party or something, and they were just like, put Jackson in the bedroom and give him a movie or something, you know? Give him Spider-Man. Right, so they're just like, okay, here's, yeah, here's fucking Spider-Man. And I was like, okay, cool, tight. And I, like, wash it, and I was like, hell yeah, I love this. But then at the end, when, like, Tobey Maguire's, like, beating the shit out of Willem Dafoe and, like, stabs him in the stomach with his own glider, I was like whoa fuck like yeah i guess i guess the that, ending of that movie does get pretty rough it's pretty hardcore um yeah especially like i don't know i made that whole video where i said how not that hardcore it is but as a eight-year-old it's super yeah, hardcore when you're eight. it was probably like the first like pg-13 movie i ever watched um but it didn't like scare me or anything but i just remember being like fuck like that was intense like goddamn. Yeah. Um, I also watched Raiders of the Lost Ark too early. The scene when the guy's head explodes really bothered me. <laughs> um, I don't remember what movie it was. I think it was an Indiana Jones. Is there an Indiana Jones movie where he's, like, confronting somebody and they're, like, in a circle of people and, like, one of the guys, like, falls over and, like, falls on his own sword the wrong way? Um, that happens in Where the Red Fern Grows. It's some film. Anyway, some, <laughs> I don't remember the film. Something happens where some bad guy, like, falls on his sword and, like, stabs himself. And then for some reason, for the rest of my life, I've been like, oh, that's my least favorite thing in the whole world <laughs> when somebody falls on their own sword in a weird way. Because, yeah, that's what happens in, like, the third act of Where the Red Fern Grows before his dogs die of sadness. Is, yeah. like, the bully kid, like, chases him down to beat him up, but he, like, trips him and he falls on his knife and he dies. And I don't know why that's relevant to the story or why that happens, but this story it does. is about two sad dogs who die of depression. <laughs> right? I don't care about Jimmy who got stabbed. I should I should read that book again because it seems so <laughs> whack. Like, what's the deal with that book? Like, I'm sure it's good. Like, and I didn't re- I couldn't really appreciate the artistry of it at age like eight or whatever it was yeah. that I read it and watched that movie originally. In elementary school. But, like, it seems like, kind of like it sucks. I don't know. I'm Who trying to figure it out. Who wrote this story and why? And, like, if it really sucked as bad as it seems like it does in my mind, we probably wouldn't still be talking about it, would we? Like, what's the deal with this? <laughs> it's um, like, some, like some people write about really bad experiences so that other people can learn from them. And, like, we can all appreciate the art of it. And that's great. But when you talk about when your dog, you shot your dog, and then the other dog got depressed and then also died, right. I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from that. Other than, wow, that's that's rough, buddy. I'm sorry that that happened to your dogs. Is this, I don't know if this is a weird false memory or if this actually happens in the book. I remember that when the first dog gets mauled by the cougar... 
and it gets like cut open and, and it's like, oh, it's intestines are hanging out. And I remember that, first of all, that they do that at all, that there's a book for kids where it's like, oh, and Did then the dog's intestines that? came out. But then, like, the mom was, like, tending to the dog's wounds, and she had to, like, lay the dog's intestines into, like, a frying pan to, like, cauterize them and, like, sanitize them, I guess? And that was, like, in it, where they, like, describe the dog sitting next to, like, on the counter with its intestines out into a frying pan? <laughs> Is that real? Somebody tell me if that's real or if I, <laughs> I made that up. don't know. Because I, I wouldn't mean, put it past where the red fern grows. Well, see, what I thought you were going to say, because this is a thing that happens sometimes, where right. when cougars eat stuff, they eat it in a tree. So sometimes you'll see, like, carcasses, like, in the trees. Right. So that's what I thought you were going to say. And that's <laughs> no. not what you said. <laughs> because they, dra- they drag it out. Like, it gets mauled by a cougar, but it doesn't get killed right then. It's, like, horribly mortally wounded, and they have to, like, take it back home and tend to it for two days where it's just in agony until it finally dies. And then the other dog fucking dies of sadness afterwards. <laughs> like Just like I did at age eight. What the fuck is up with that? Why? Yeah. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm so worked up about this again 20 years later. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, do you want to wrap it up or do you have anything else Jackson. to say? <laughs> Whatever. Do you have anything else you want to say about Onward, or do you want to wrap it up? The, I mean, I we, I feel like we didn't touch on it, because when we, whenever we talk about Pixar, we have to, like, take a minute to be like, oh, man, the animation's so good, because oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. And, like, the animation's so good. But, and it's, because it's reality adjacent and not Toy Story, where it's supposed to be, like, reality, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. we didn't get, we didn't get, like, the rain from Toy Story 4, but there were just, like, little things that, like, every once in a while I'd be like, oh, holy shit, that looks really good. Like, the mom, like, wears a sweater that just, like, looks like a real sweater and it messes me up. Or, like, <laughs> right, yeah. Anytime he, like, anytime Ian, like, writes on a piece of paper, like, one of his lists, like, the way that, like, the ink, like, looks like how ink actually looks is, like, just really, really cool. It's not, like, a font. Mm-hmm. It's, like, they made sure it looks how it looks when you write with a cheap ink pen. It's, like, oh, that's really good. Right. Um, and I feel like, just in terms of, like, visual language, they get a lot of mileage out of the, like, fantasy skyline with just, like, an airplane going by i love that shot it's so so much um and yeah uh, there was something else i wanted to add about the visual like the way that it looks but now i can't remember what it was save me uh i really (laughs) i mean they do do that with like the buildings and stuff like the buildings like aren't skyscrapers or houses or whatever they're all like mushroom houses and like castle skyscrapers which is kind of which is kind of dumb but i think it's fun to just like include that kind of visually Mm. Oh, we didn't talk about the car at all, and I really love how they kind of characterize the car. Right. Like, where it's, like, it's kind of, like, a character and a horse, and it's also kind <laughs> of just a van. Like, right. it, it's just, like, all the emotion that, that what's the, what's his name? Barley? Burley? I don't know. Chris Pratt. I don't give a fuck. All of the emotion that Burley puts onto the car, like, just kind of becomes its own character, and it's just right. so much fun. And it, it, it's a trope, but it's just, like, the most accurate trope of, like, teenagers having crappy cars that's just <laughs> right, so yeah. relatable. And just, like, how much he loves his crappy car. Right. Like, I remember your car that you got in a car accident with. That was, yeah, like, the my Volkswagen. favorite car. I yeah, that, that, car. that car ripped because the, the windshield wiper fluid squirter was broken in the back. <laughs> so when I would press the button to squirt onto my back windshield, they would just shoot a jet of windshield wiper fluid straight out backwards. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that so car so if much. I was in traffic, I could just do that and spray windshield wiper fluid on the person behind me. And then get murdered by somebody on I-90. <laughs> so good. I never actually did it. I screwed it at my friends a few times, but Every I never had the while. courage to actually do it to like just like a person on the street. <laughs> I wish because I would have, why though. would you? Yeah. And then I got in a car accident and got totaled and I was bummed about it. And we were all sad. Yeah. Anyway. Um... But oh, okay, all right, okay. We have to talk about this. The the cop, the cop who's gay. Your take? Okay, people are so mad that she's like ugly and whatever, and it's like, <laughs> oh, the first lesbian and she's ugly, and I'm like, you guys are mean. Like, what the fuck? Right. Like, like I get, I get wanting to have a lot of representation, and this is a very specific kind of representation, and like wanting more representation in the future, and like I totally get that. But just like being super mean to this one character, and <laughs> right. I hate it. Like she, because she's an awesome character. Like she's on screen for like only a few minutes, but you get so much of her character, and like she's so nice and cool, and people just don't like her because she's ugly. And I'm like, right. you guys are fucking mean. Okay, I have I have a fistful of takes about this. Yeah. My first is just that Disney keeps doing this thing over and over and over again, where they keep putting little, little pieces of, like, gay representation in movies, which I think is not a bad thing. You know, it's like a big cultural thing, and especially with foreign markets being the way they are and how important they are, it's, like, something that we really need to be, like, easing into. I mean, not that I'm saying, me personally, like, we have to take it slow, but, like, just in terms of, like, the way that the film business works is something that's really tricky, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but so they keep peppering in like these little tiny things, and then every time they're like, "Oh, check it out! Look what we did! We're gonna do a we're gonna do a press release where we say that she's gay, and this is the first gay one." And they've done it like four times. They did it with Avengers Endgame. Yeah. They did it with Beauty and the Beast, and they did it with this movie. And everybody says like, "This is not good enough," right? Which is true, you know. Yeah. Like you need to be doing better than this. But at the same time, I think if they were just doing it and not making a big fucking deal out of it, people it would, would not have a problem cool. at all. People would be yeah. like, "Oh, that was kind of cool. They put in a lesbian character just for a second. Maybe this is a stepping stone to something bigger, to they a broader that- change later." I guess they didn't do that with LeFou. LeFou. Like, I thought no, they, they did. did. They totally did. No, they did. did do it. No, what I thought they did was I thought they were like, the first gay character. And everyone's like, that's problematic. And then right. they went, never mind. He's not gay anymore. But they didn't do that. <laughs> oh, they committed no. to him being gay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then the other thing is that um, apparently Onward got banned in a, a handful of countries because of this. Um, but I... I am not entirely sure that that is perfectly fair because I, you know, this is a movie that they're going to be doing dubs and subtitles for in other countries. Obviously, it's not the same language. It would be so, so, so easy to change that line just slightly and have nobody ever be any of the wiser, right? Yeah. Um, So I think the fact that they made a big deal out of the fact that it got banned in certain other countries, I don't think they even tried to bring it to China, the... The China movie economy is so crazy because the Chinese government basically does not allow you to make small budget independent films on your own and display oh, them. Yeah. Um, and the only movies they make there are like big, huge budget blockbusters. Um, and they have like a, 
a certain trade agreement with America where they can only bring in, it's like 10 or 15 American movies into the Chinese market a year. That way it's not just fully like American movies, like flooding their, their whole shit. Um, Which I get. Yeah. But like literally what that means is that they only get like Avengers movies and Jurassic Park movies. So like they're They're entire, only getting blockbusters. Yeah, their entire diet of cinema is just like huge budget clusterfucks. And that's so crazy to me. Anyway, but um what was I talking about? My point is I think that <laughs> <laughs> they weren't actually trying to get this is a conspiracy theory, but that they weren't actually trying to get this movie into those other countries. They just wanted to submit it as is and get it rejected so that they could say, like, oh, we're suffering for this. We took one for the team for you guys on this yeah, one, no. you know? Yeah, I totally get that. I totally um, see that. Anyway, that's, but that is not necessarily true. That's just my reading, my conspiracy theory about it. Anyway, yeah. um, do you want to hear a one-star review of Onward, Adeline? I, oh, I, oh no. <laughs> so this review, uh, this review from Letterboxd.com is marked as spoilers. Um, so get ready, there's some spoilers in this one. They say... Sucks. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> I know. Anyway, Spoiler alert, it's bad. Sucks, no good. My name's Jackson no McMurray. Good. My name's Alan McMurray. And this is No Nerds Allowed. And there are No Nerds Allowed. I should phase just, like, two. No Nerds Allowed. Phase two. I should, should do that in... with all of my opinions. Just be like, spoiler <laughs> alert. I didn't think that sandwich was very good. <laughs> <laughs> we should put in... We should put in the audio from the IMAX sizzle reel at the beginning of every episode. That should be our new intro music. That's really good. <laughs>